July 24th, 2023. We're in Masechet Be'etzah and Lamedaled Amud Aleph. If you count from the bottom up, it's 18 lines from the bottom of the Amud, uh, right in the middle of the line. It says the Gemara, Tanur Rabbanan, that's a Beraita. Tanur Vekiraim Hadashim, Harehen Kikol Hakelim Hanitalim Behaser. The statement goes as follows. If you're dealing with an oven or what's called a double stove, a different type of cooking mechanism of old, if they're new, and if you recall, new items that we've been dealing with in the Gemara and Mishnah until now have a particular issue. The fact that they're new and you use them with uh, hot, with heat, with, uh, with fire could pose a problem because you're finishing the utensil. The utensil is not fully worked in yet. The heat finishes it off. As a result of them being new, uh, well, we have to question, what's the status of this tanur, these kirayim, in a circumstance where they haven't yet been used? First and foremost, says the Beraita, without addressing a further issue, let's just understand they're not considered mukseh. They're considered like a keli, a utensil, which is moved around in your courtyard, which means to say, even on Shabbat, it's permitted to move it around. What are you moving it around for? Why is it not muksit? Rashi, if you take a look quickly at Rashi, Rashi explains the reasoning over here, with both on, on Yom Tov and even on Shabbat, it's considered mutar. In the first wide line of Rashi, it says, Be-shabbat ve-chazet de-chazu le-metav be-gavayu mideh. Because they are appropriate for resting, leaving something inside of it. Meaning, you might not, you certainly not, on Shabbat are using this for cooking, but you can use it as a chest, you could use it as a cupboard. The fact that this is a utensil which holds inside of it things makes it immediately not considered mukseh. Would that be, of course, provided that this is somewhat of a normal usage? Obviously, but apparently that's the way, I guess, in times where we didn't have as much space, as much uh, receptacles, as many receptacles, you would leave things and store them in the Tanur Kiraim. As a result, it's not considered Mukseh. First issue, Aval, the further issue, the one that's most relevant to what we've been talking about until now, the finishing off that utensil. Are you allowed to uh, move it around and use it in a purposeful fashion? Certainly. What about to finish it off to on Yom Tob? to begin using it. You can't um, smear on it, you can't uh, rub into it shemen, oil, which apparently was one of those final stages before actually lighting it up, before actually putting it into a larger heat area uh, to finish off this utensil. This would be a problem of matikun keli, it would be a problem of makebe patish. You can't have that oil on it. Ve'entashinotan bematlit, you're not even allowed to take some sort of cloth and rub it into it. Again, you're smoothing it down, closing up the porous areas in order to finish this utensil. All the problem of makebe patish. You furthermore cannot, after it was heated up, again, in the initial usage, you can't then take water and pour it over it. Why would you pour cold water over the item in order to really close it up. You're looking for this to be finished off. Apparently that's the way you would do so. You'd heat it up and then pour cold water over it in order to finish this utensil entirely. Can't do so on Yom Tov or Shabbat, of course. If your purpose is in order to harden it, to finish it as a utensil. Concludes the Beraita, however, it says, if your purpose in pouring the cold water on it is not is not to harden it and close up those holes and make certain that it's 
strong. It's rather so that, well, it's very hot in the initial usage or in some usage along the way. And now I want to put bread into it, says Rashi. And the bread that you'll put into it, since it's so hot, might get burnt. And as a result, you'd like to diminish in that heat. You don't have dials. You don't have something that you can touch and be able to affect that in an easy way. You're allowed to, under such circumstances, pour the cold water over it. That would be uh, permitted. How does this oven become fired up or heated? Yom Tov. Yom Tov. This is all Yom Tov, and as a result, you took it from a, a pre-existing fire, you had it lit before the holiday, going into it, right? So you could cook. You could cook. You certainly could cook. And it's only a brand new oven. Never used before. That's the issue specifically over here. The truth is, though, if you remember, just what we learned maybe on Friday or so, there is a difficulty here. If you take a look at the third Tosafot on the left-hand side, they question this based on what we saw earlier. It says, Again, if your purpose is in order to harden it, you can't pour, you can't immerse it in the cold water. However, alternatively, said Tosafot, if your purpose, if your objective is to bake with it, bread, anything else, that would be permitted, says Tosafot, the word vetema means it's a wonder, it's difficult, it's hard to understand. At the top of the Amud, at the very top of the page, we had the following statement. We were talking about what the Mishnah said. Remember those tiles, the tiles upon which you would put the food. We said those tiles, if it's for the first time, you can't heat it up for one of two reasons. Either because it might crack and it was an unnecessary um, uh, stress and energy, or alternatively, it's because you're hardening it. It's tikkun keli, it's makeve patish. How come that was prohibited? My purpose, after all, I'm not just hardening tiles on Yom Tov. I'm doing it in order to eat food on it. How come that was prohibited and this one's permitted? Tosafot answers, Even though the purpose over there as well was to cook, was to uh, roast upon it. You have to distinguish between tiles and an oven. tanur the suggestion of Tosafot is that the oven is different than the tiles because when it comes to the oven, I'm putting mashkin, I'm putting um, liquid uh, substances uh, or items into it, and it's not certain that by using it in such a fashion with the moisture inside of the oven, again, I put a pot, I put a pan with some moisture, it's not certain that it'll be hardened. Again, a scientific reality Tosafot is assuming. We can accept the assumption, just question the halakha, try to understand it. So again, the distinction says Tosafot is when I put the tile into the oven or put the tile on, on top of fire, it's certainly going to be hardened. It's going to be completed. Asur, makeb patish. When I put the utensil inside of this oven for the first time usage and I heat up the oven, it's not certainly going to be hardened and finished because there's moisture inside of it. That's the suggestion of Tosafot. Okay, it's not certainly going to happen, but it might happen. Why is that permitted to do? We're dealing with an Yisur from the Torah. We should be stringent. Again, I'm uncertain whether this oven will be finished and hardened by me lighting it with the item inside of it. Oh, I'm uncertain that it's permitted. No, it's not so. Tosafot is assuming it's a point we'll come back to again later on. That since you're doing it with the purpose and objective of food on Yom Tov, it's Sorech Ochel Nefesh, 
again, so it goes like this. I'm uncertain whether the melacha is going to happen. My objective is to produce food. If my objective is to produce food, and that might be an ancillary, a side effect as a result, oh, that's, that's permitted. That's right. If it's makom safek isur, but it's makom ochenefesh, Tosafot is telling us it's permitted. The tile was the tile in that circumstance was not l'tzorech ochil nef. Excuse me, excuse me. One second, one second. I'm, I'm confusing. The answer is the t- no, no, no. That was the other answer. The tile was certainly going to happen. That's the assumption Tosafot. This one is only safek, right? That's the distinction. Ran, and this is what I was referring to quickly because someone had a comment that was relevant to this on Friday. Ran distinguishes a bit differently. He says the tile, when put into the oven or put on top of the fire, has no food on it. It's a stage before the production of food. So then that would be permitted according to Rana as well, right? This case he distinguishes is when you turned on the oven and you had the food already inside of it. So even if it's certainly going to be hardened as well, because the moisture won't affect it, it makes it better because it's in the context of Ochil Nefesh. Okay, either way he slices it. That's the statement here in the Gemara that if it's Bishvile Efot, Hareze Mutar, an important, at least in my mind, principle that we're seeing for the first time in Tosafot, is that if it's a Makom Safek Melacha, but not my objective, not my purpose, it's Makom Ochil Nefesh, it's permitted. Again, we'll return to that in a little bit <coughs> in the words of Rashi or the understanding of Rashi. Says the Gemara onward, Tanur Rabbi Another, the next Beraita continues our conversation. It'll bring us off track for a moment, but bring us back in with regards to activities permitted and forbidden on Yom Tov. Mulgin et harosh ve'et haraglaim. The halakha is with regards to an animal that I want to remove the hide, I want to remove the hair from it. Um, I, the way that I could do so is to be moleg. Limlog, I imagine, is translated as to scorch. It's that you're, no, can't be scorched. You're, scold. Scold, that's the right word. Okay, there you go. So, scold? Scold. Great. So, you're placing it in boiling hot water. All right, that's, that's, that, that's my English for you. Right, so you're placing it in boiling hot water in order to remove uh, easily the hair, the hide from it. Uh, now, what does it say specifically? Parenthetically, it says, et harosh It says the, the head and the legs. Does that mean only the head and the legs, or does it mean the entire animal? Again, for me and you, I imagine this is not very relevant. We're not really doing this animals. Once upon a time, this is what they were very concerned about. Tosafot, top left-hand corner, second Tosafot says, Aval kol gufo shel gedi asur. You'd only be allowed to do so, says Tosafot, in reading this very carefully, with regards to the legs and the head. The entire body of the animal, you wouldn't be able to place it in the boiling hot water in order to remove the hair. Ho'il v'yachol behefshet. Hakala la'asot tefe says Tosafot, by just pulling off on the regular part of the body, the stomach, the back, whatever, the thigh, and so forth, you'd be able to do it much e- in such an easy way without having to put it in the boiling hot water. We wouldn't permit doing it in the boiling hot water. Again, the Tosafot is explaining, based on their knowledge and understanding of the situation, that the Gemara, the Beraita, is very specific. It says the legs and the head, because the legs and the head, it's much easier to remove the hair and the hide uh, by doing it in boiling hot water. The rest of the body would not be permitted. Not everybody agrees with that. Mi'iri, who's from southern France, says that their, if I'm not mistaken, their minhag in Provence was to do it on the whole body. And why does the statement over here, the head and the legs, that's the normal way that you would speak about it in some way or fashion. Okay, but that's the first statement in the Beraita. Umehavhevin otan ba'ur, you're furthermore, this one's got to be scorched, right? This one you're allowed... 
singe. All right, there we are. Um, you're allowed to singe them, uh, meaning you're allowed to run them through fire in order to remove the hair as well. No, it's not through the boiling hot water, but rather through fire. Aval en toflinotan beharsit velo ba'adama velo besid but you're not allowed to in any of the following three circumstances, each one of them uh, referring to a different type of utensil or material for that utensil, remove the hair and hide in a professional fashion. Now again, you're not doing it in a professional fashion per se. You're a simple person who just wants to make some uh, chicken or some uh, steak for Yom Tov. Uh, but uh, in so doing, you called in the, uh, the expert utensils. And so now you got the, it, it almost appears, and that's the issue over here, as if you're working the hides. You're working with uh, harsit or adama, some sort of earthenware utensil, or seed is like a plaster utensil, some sort or another, I'm sure they give you the specifics on this, each of those are professional utensils, and as a result, there's a problem that it appears, A.B. visits me and sees me working in the, in the kitchen or in the backyard, and what's going on? You're me'abed ta'or, le'abed ta'or, to work in the leather, is asur, that's a melacha. And as a result, this is an issue more than anything of what it looks like. It's permitted, but it's not permitted because it looks wrong. And as a result, do it in any of the not normal fashions. If you're doing it in the fashion that's a professional fashion, that's permitted even though you have no objective in keeping the hide or the skin or any of that sort of business. And similarly, along the same lines, you're not allowed to use the, uh, the scissors, the shears that you would use normally in order to shear it and save the hair or the, the, the wool of, and so forth. Oh, so if you would normally do it in that fashion, that's what's called melechet gozez. Gozez is one of the 39 melachot, that's shearing. Now over here, I have no intention to shear, I have just intention to get it off. But if you walk by and you see me doing it, you say, he's shearing, he's doing a melacha. That's why we tell you, don't do it b'misparaim, don't do it with the regular utensils. It's all a marit ayin or hashad issue. And furthermore, and again, it's just all side points, but important from mahalachot of Yom Tov, in some respect, you're not allowed to, with regards to a vegetable, cut the vegetable, or literally shear the vegetable, which means to say you're not allowed to use the regular cutting um, device that you would use for the vegetable out in the field in your kitchen. Uh, why not? Again, it looks wrong. If someone comes and sees me cutting my, uh, my vegetable with that utensil, they say he must have just cu cut it from his backyard. You're not allowed to cut it from the ground on Yom Tov. You're allowed to cut it in your kitchen. As a result, means the regular cutting device that you would use outside. Another maritain hashad issue. Aval. However, what is permitted, Rashi says these are two types of vegetables which would take a lot of effort in preparation. And as a result, you might say it's too much effort, which is always hard to define if you haven't been able to follow that throughout Masech Pitzah. To quantify what too much effort is, is very difficult. For that reason, when people ask me, is this too much effort on Shabbat or on Yom Tov? I was, uh, can't talk like that. I can give you what the Gemara tells me. Over here the Gemara says, according to Rashi's interpretation, these take a lot of effort, but not too much effort. It's permitted to do on Yom Tov. Umasikin ve'ofin bepurane. You're furthermore allowed to light and use in order to cook a purane. Rashi says a purane is a large oven that we use, says Rashi. What would the issue be? Again, it looks like an unnecessary effort. What are you making so much food? If necessary, I have a lot of guests. 
It's okay. You walk by and say, why is he making so much? He must be preparing it for after Yom Tov. Why, why does he have his, uh, his commercial oven on? The answer is, it's permitted. Why is it permitted? Because I'm making food for a lot of people. I'm making food for a, a large party of guests. That's permitted. Umehamin hamin be'antike. You're furthermore allowed to um, uh, Boil water be'antike. Antike apparently sounds like antiochus, but it's a, it was apparently some sort, I don't know, so some sort of large vat or some sort of large pot which was strong enough and large enough to keep the heat within it for a long period of time. So this is important. It comes up briefly in the context of these sorts of halachot when I'm heating water for some reason or another on Yom Tov. On Shabbat, you wouldn't, of course, allow to be, do any of this. I'm heating the water. My intention is really to drink it and to use it today. I have guests coming. I have a large family. It will emerge that if it's left in there, it'll be kept hot for after Yom Tov as well. Is that, as a result, inappropriate? And it comes up Briefly, in the context, it's, it's a larger conversation than just antike over there. If I'm, uh, as we discussed, using hot water on Yom Tov to shower or to wash the dishes or something like that, it's the end of the day. It's the end of the day, and uh, as a result, the water which comes out of the boiler has more water going into the boiler. That water, in turn, is going to get boiled. So you're allowed to boil it water on Yom Tov. You're allowed to boil water on Yom Tov if I'm going to be using it on Yom Tov. I'm not going to be using it. That's the end of the day. And so that reason, by the way, aside from any permissibility... Shabbat, yes, I'll talk about Shabbat in one second. Right now on Yom Tov, I'm saying even if you do shower on Yom Tov, I caution this Gemara notwithstanding, and you can understand why you distinguish, that you not do it late in the day. You do it earlier in the day that there's enough time still. First and foremost, it's, 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 it seems, and it is unnecessary if it's really late in the day. You're finishing Yom Tov, take a shower after Yom Tov. You're not doing it for Yom Tov. But if you did it earlier in the day on Yom Tov, provided that you took the proper precautions with regards to squeezing and anything and everything else, that goes into that with shiurim and classes on that. Um, you, you take it earlier in the day so that the water that comes in has potential to be used on Yom Tov. That's what we suggest doing under those circumstances. On Shabbat. Regardless of temperature, boiling versus heating. Say it again. Regardless of the temperature of the water, and we're talking this thing here. If you have, uh, it, that's a great question. If you have in on your boiler, and this is, and I would suggest it, especially for summer our community where I understand much against my will obviously many if not most of our community are taking showers on Shabbat afternoon you install it's not hard to do it doesn't even cost so much money you install uh, I mean, I, I should start taking a cut on this. You get installed um, on the boiler that, and you can put it on a timer that's just on Shabbat that it doesn't go above the heat level of what's called Yad Soledetbo. Yad Soledetbo is the heat level of what's called boiling and cooking on Shabbat. If it doesn't go above that, none of this is on other than the other precautions I mentioned, the squeezing, etc. On your boiler? No, 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 but on your boiler, the issue, let me just be clear, no, no, but it's important that it be clear because otherwise many people walk out and say that was silly because I could regulate it. No, the boiler needs to be regulated because you're regulating what's coming out, but the water that comes into your boiler is being boiled. As a result, and I really suggest this, and it's easy to do, and I think you could get it done very quickly, if that's the reality in your home. If it's not, and you don't need it, then you install that and, and you solved all this. You solved it on Yom Tov. Certainly as well, you can take a shower late in the day. Okay. Ve'en ofin bepurane hadasha sheme tifhat. And lastly, says the Beraita, you cannot, and this of course is the one most relevant to us, you can't, however, 
bake in that purane, we're talking about the commercial large oven, but if it's hadasha, if it's new, you can't bake in it, sheme tifhat, maybe it will break, maybe it'll crack. Says Rashi, al-yedesh the issue over here is similar to what we talked about at the top of the Amud with the new tiles. The fear is, since it's the first time usage, it will crack, and as a result, I, I lit it up, and it cracked. That's a Torah Shelola Sorech. It would be prohibited in such a circumstance. A Tosafot asked a question on this. We just a few lines earlier in the Gemara Tosafot, the fourth one from the top on the left hand side. Didn't you tell me a few moments ago you're allowed to take the cold water, pour it onto the oven, harden it? turn it into, by so doing, a final utensil, but that wasn't the reason why I was pouring the hot, cold water. I was doing it just in order to cook. Over here as well, I didn't turn on this commercial oven just in order for it to finish. I did it in order to cook. Shouldn't that be permitted? That's a very basic question. As long as we said earlier on the page, we said just a few lines ago, as long as my objective, my, my mindset was to use this to cook or to bake with, it's permitted even if there's a safik. We drew attention to this a few lines ago. And permitted to pour the cold water. How come over here it's not permitted to turn on? Answers to Tosafot. Says Tosafot, there's more of a fear, there's more of a tendency in this circumstance that it'll actually break as opposed to... What's that? This is the large furnace. I hear you. you As I've cautioned you and myself throughout, unfortunately, I mean it, I don't have the real knowledge of what these ovens uh, felt like and looked like, but that's the suggestion of Tosafot, that this is more of a fear and as a result more prohibited. Okay, continues the Gemara, Tanur Rabbanan, yet another Beraita in finishing these sorts of laws with regards to Yom Tov, preparations of foods, En Nofchin B'Mapuach, or B'Mapuach, Avan Nofchin, the circumstance, as I understand it, is you had a carved out, hollowed uh, item which would be used in order to blow heat into your oven. And you're using it as a cooking device of some sort. Am I right in my understanding of this? That's the way I always understood this. Um, so the, the statement over here is If you're using the regular utensil, the utensil that the experts would use, it's prohibited. However, if you're doing it, you're doing it in not the regular fashion, that would alternatively uh, be uh, permitted. Continues the Beraita. And you're not allowed to fix the skewer. Uh, what's, what's the issue over here? We'll talk about it in a moment. Then mehadidinoto, and you're not, if it got, if it got um, blunted, you're not allowed to sharpen it. Uh, both of those two, the fixing and the, and the sharpening, would be a tikkun keli. Both of those circumstances would be a makebe patish. You're not allowed, but I'm doing it for the purpose of food, am I not? I have a skewer, I'm fixing the skewer, I'm, I'm sharpening the skewer, why is that prohibited? I'm doing it for the express purpose of food. Rashi writes one of two reasons. Rashi writes, number one, this is not going like Rabbi Huda. We refer to Rabbi Huda a few times on Daf Kafchet. Rabbi Huda is a mahloka with hachamim. Are you allowed to, in the preparation for food on Yom Tov, do specifically the act of cooking the food, or even the machshirim, the, pre- the process beforehand? Rabbi Huda says, even the processes beforehand are permitted. The hachamim say, only the time that
that you're actually doing the food. The fact that the skewer preparation, which is a step removed, right? In other words, the putting the food on the fire would be the actual preparation. The skewer is the machshirim. That's why we say it's asur, because we're not going like Rabbi Uda. Alternatively, Rashi suggests that maybe the case over here is you could have fixed it before Yom Tov. Could have fixed it before Yom Tov. You saved it for Yom Tov. You're not allowed to fix it now on Yom Tov. On the, the first line of, the, of this thing, using that air blower thing. Yes. Uh, bellow. Bellow. Very nice. I should have used the art school for that. Yeah. So if you use that normally to make your fire go, you wouldn't be able to do that because it's more professional. Because it's more of a professional item as it seems to be. <laughs> What's that? Yes. Fireplace. Rashi says on this, the mehsek heuman ose melacha. It's, uh, it's, I don't think so. Rashi says it's a marita ayin. It's mehse. It looks like you tell me that's an ovdin the whole statement. It's not what it looks like to another person. And therefore? Understood. It uses one utensil as opposed to another. No, but the question is, the question, that, got it. What, what, why would it? The answer seems to be to your yeah. question, yes. Uh, Morris is questioning is, is the activity therefore a weekday activity or that it looks like to a person that you're doing a professional activity? Sounds like, is he saying artisan? Artisan because someone says you're doing an artisan job or because it is defined as an artisan job? Okay, it might be the second one. Might be the second one. I may have, uh, that might be the right way to say it. Okay, says the Gemara onward, and lastly, Tanur Rabbanan, another Beraita, En Mefatsi'ine Takane Lislot Bo. You're not allowed to uh, crush and break up a, uh, a reed, a, a hollow reed of some sort, in order to be sole, in order to roast upon it. And Rashi explains you have fish, which you want to put on the fire, but if you put it directly on the fire, it's going to be burnt in a, a wrong way. So you want to have these hollow reeds, which you'll kind of place on top of the grill. Uh, you're not allowed to break those because by doing so you're being metaken keli. You're finishing, you're creating a, a, a utensil of some sort which is being placed on top of the grill. That's prohibited to do. Um, again, tanura banan emefasine takane lislot bo maliach. You're not allowed to do so in order. Maliach is a reference to a fish. Aval mefasine taegos. However, you're allowed to crack a uh, walnut bematlit, even if the walnut is covered by a matlit, a, uh, some sort of fabric, some sort of uh, a kerchief. Why would you have it inside of a kerchief? You're going to break it, I imagine, several inside of it. It won't make a mess. Or I have a few, and I just have one, you know, I'm able to keep them all clustered together. They won't move around, and I'll break it. What would the issue be? Of course that's permitted. Uh, and there's no fear that it might come to rip. Uh, well, why not? If it might come to rip, uh, will it come to rip? Is it, is it a reality statement in the Baraita over here? It won't come to rip, but if, if it's, uh, what's the issue? Rashi explains why, why we don't fear this. Rashi, uh, six lines from the bottom. Even if it did become ripped, explains Rashi. That's not a problem. We don't care about that. Because the only prohibition from the Torah 
of ripping is if you're ripping with the intention to afterwards sew, right? It's a craftsman ripping. If you're ripping in a fashion to just get rid of or no intention for the rip, that's permitted. It's to rip, so then I then sew it up in order to fix something. That's not what you're doing over here. That's the suggestion of Rashi. What's that? Shabbat. Uh, Toilet paper is a separate issue of mehatech. We could and should address toilet paper at a point in our masechet. The issue with toilet paper is, again, as I said, it's mehatech. However, uh, okay, it's a longer conversation. What I will tell you is the book Menuhata Havav Rabbi Moshe Levi makes the point that mehatech seems to be clear from Harambam and other poskim. It's only if I have a purposeful mindset for the size. You know, mehatech means I'm cutting and I want this size. If when I'm doing the toilet paper, I don't care about the size, he says it should be, what's the difference? He says, uh, but I don't care about the size per se, just ripping. He says it should be permitted. He nonetheless says, but everybody thinks it's asur, so let's keep it asur. But it's a very important statement for, and to, to have in mind with regards to usage of it under circumstances as necessary. Um, but with regards to this, we're on Korea, a little bit different. But anyway, again, Korea is only Almanat Litpur. Says Rashi, even though you're certainly going to be Korea, it's not Almanat Litpur, it's therefore permitted. But wait a second, if you're Korea, Shilo Almanat Litpur, you're ripping without the intention to sew it up, it's completely permitted? No, it's not so. Anyone who's learned Masechet Shabbat knows it's still prohibited in Banan. It's still rabbinically prohibited. How come Rashi's saying that's permitted? You see that little star, the almost Batman uh, sign next to De'enze Korea in the Gemara? That little sign leads you to the, in my Gemara, the top right-hand corner where it says Gilion Hashas. The top right-hand corner says Gilion Hashas. Gilion Hashas was written by a rabbi. His name is Rabbi Akiva Eger. He lived over 200 years ago in a place called Posen. He was one of the great, I mean, for Svaradim and Ashkenazim alike, one of the greatest minds of the last several hundred years in terms of Talmud and Pesach Halacha. And so his glosses to the Gemara got included very often. He says, V'kasheli, that's a question he has, Ha'mikomakom asumid Rabbanan. He says it should be prohibited, rabbinically speaking. Now, there are those who, re, who answer for Rashi, again, just to briefly explain to you again, you're, you're taking this walnut and you're cracking it inside of the handkerchief. The handkerchief is going to rip. It's not my intention, but it's going to. Says Rashi, it's permitted. Why is it permitted? It should be pro- prohibited rabbinically. The answer that Slach, that's Rabbi Hezkelan, that gives for Rashi over here, brings us back to one of the first points we discussed today. What about when I'm uncertain, not 100% certain, that a melacha will take place? but I have the express purpose of ochel nefesh. I want to bring food, and there might be a melacha which comes about as a result. Is that permitted or prohibited? Remember what we learned in Tosafot. Tosafot explains us, provided that, it's not certain, it's not the tiles, it was rather the oven case. Makom safek, uncertain. Melacha de oraita, makom ochel nefesh, it's permitted. That's the answer for Rashi over here as well. Rabbi Akiva Eger gives a different answer himself. Rabbi Akiva Eger gives a more simple answer, at least in his mind. He says, "Is a machloket we've discussed more than once in our masechet and elsewhere between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to Shabbat, when it comes to Yom Tov. The halacha is the Torah tells us, beginning of Parashat Vayakel, that the only prohibited actions are if it is." 
is melechet machashevet. It's a mindful activity. If it's what's called davar she'ino mitkaven, it wasn't my intention for this to take place. It's permitted according to the Bishimon's machlok between Bishimon and Biuda. He says that's the case over here. It's a hashash. It's not certainly going to rip. It might shemetikra, and as a result, that's why this is permitted. If it was certainly going to happen, it's prohibited. It's called pisikreshe. If it's hashash, well, that's why it's permitted over here. That's Rabbi Akiva Eger's alternative explanation to this um, to this statement in the Gemara. Uh, we'll just start the first three words, first four words of the next Mishnah says ve'od amar Eliezer. Those first four words, Rashi and Tosafot comment on it. Mean, those words mean, and furthermore, Rabbi Eliezer said. We're about to read something that Rabbi Eliezer said with regards to Mukseh where there's a permissibility, a leniency. We're not going to address it right now. Uh, it's an interesting way of beginning a Mishnah. The question that Rashi has is, well, what's furthermore Rabbi Eliezer said? Well, if you recall, in our last Mishnah, we did see the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer in the context of Mukseh. It was some time ago, at least in our minds. Uh, what was the case of Rabbi Eliezer over there? It was talking about picking up the slivers of wood to use it with your teeth. It was talking about gathering the wood out in your field. He had a leniency. The Chachamim disagreed. So now we have ve'od, and furthermore, <coughs> Rabbi Eliezer said. Rashi, however, has a difficulty based on a Gemara. It's a, it's a minor difficulty based on a Gemara Masechet Eruvim. The Gemara over there seems to say that the Mishnayot language will never say ve'od, and furthermore, he says, if there's a break in the middle. I'm in a conversation with you. I said, Charles told me ABC. And then I say, oh, and A.B. told me this, and Jeffrey told me this. And, and furthermore, Charles told me, I don't talk like that. Mishnayot don't talk like that. The Gemara Masechet Eruvin, it'll only say, Charles told me, and furthermore, Charles told me if I'm on the same issue. The fact that we took a break in the middle, if you recall, on the tiles, on the fact that you're not allowed to start the fire in Yom Tov. How do you then start our Mishnah with Ve'od Amar Rashi therefore suggests that this Mishnah, again, none of this is per se going to kill us or change that much, but it's important to note. He says this Mishnah must be out of place. This Mishnah probably belonged over there. Tosafot has a different answer. Maybe it's because the two leniencies link up with one another. Okay, but we'll come back to this tomorrow. Ve'od Amar It's going to be another statement of Rabbi Eliezer with regards to a leniency, with regards to the Halachot of Muqseh on Yom Tov. Baruch Amen, Amen, Amen. Hanam Shemana Sakado